You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about how to deal effectively with trials. And we're taking all of our material from the book of James chapter 1, not all of it, but that's the the primary source of our ideas here. And I want to begin reading in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, where James, in talking about trials, says this, "...if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and it shall be given him." But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now it's one thing to ask for wisdom in a time of peace when everything is going smoothly. But there are going to be times in the trials that you face that you will need wisdom to escape the trial. You won't triumph if you don't have some strategy that you are not aware of yet. That's why you ask for wisdom. You can't have a strategy if you don't connect with God. He always has a strategy to get you out of trouble. I want to say this, and it's something I heard Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole say years ago, and I've never forgotten it. There is no victory without a strategy. If you don't have a strategy, you won't see victory. God gave a strategy, a different strategy. It wasn't always the same. But nonetheless, He gave a strategy to everybody who came under attack. And so there will be times where you'll need to ask for wisdom. What do I do, Lord? Now James describes this time, and it can be very much like a spiritual roller coaster. He talks about people who are wavering, who are bouncing between two different ways of thinking, who are like waves of the sea that are driven with the wind and tossed. Now you need to understand this. Sometimes we mistakenly think that if we are receiving truth or if we've heard truth or if we've heard something preached that really is solid, that's from the Word of God, that there should be no questioning of that, that, it, that it's just immediately settled and there's total peace about it. And there are times when you have to fight for peace. There are times when you have to stiffen your back and decide that you're not going to pay attention to those things that trouble you. And uh, uh, people don't like conflict, and so they want to just relax to a place where there is no conflict. But i got to tell you, there are going to be times when you are going to have to face conflict and stand. Now, the greatest truths of the Word of God and the greatest works of God will always be challenged by the forces of darkness. Let me show you something here. To me, this is really fascinating. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, and it's the King James Version. And here's what John writes and says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. 
Now, this is something that John wrote probably 50 years or so at the most from the time that Jesus had physically walked the earth. And there were already demon powers at work during those days who were leading people, prompting people to say, Jesus really did not come in the flesh. Oh, he may have come, but he was a phantom. He wasn't real. There was no bodily resurrection. When it is the single most provable event in ancient history. And uh, it's a remarkable thing. And there's always a questioning of that. Uh, you know, people question the Exodus, and they say, well, we don't find a lot of evidence for it in the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Well, let me ask you a question. If you uh, got beat and you suffered greatly, would you record this in your history if you didn't want to admit to it? No. And we shouldn't be surprised by things like that. Uh, People have biases when they record certain things. So there will always be conflicts. There will always be doubts. The question is, what are you going to pay attention to? Are you going to look at the Word of God? Are you going to look at what something else says? Uh, The devil even challenged Jesus over his sonship. When Jesus was uh, tempted in the wilderness, Satan said, if you are the Son of God. Now think about that. And Jesus was tempted, which means this thought had some appeal. Now, somebody says, well, Jesus could think back to when he was born of a virgin. No, he didn't. He had to become uh, like us, which means he had to be trained. He had to be taught. He didn't have memory of the night of the nativity. He did not have memory of everything that happened uh, supernaturally. And what God, the angel said to Joseph to flee to Egypt and so forth. He didn't, he didn't the wise men coming. Uh, he didn't have memory of all that. He was told those things, but he didn't have memory of those things. What Jesus did was what he had learned in Scripture. The Scriptures took him on the journey that he walked. God confirmed those Scriptures. When he was baptized, God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But immediately after that, uh, 40 days or so after that, Satan comes to challenge it. So the question is this. What are you going to pay attention to? If you are a double looker, you're going to be double-minded. And so you have to settle it right now that in times of trial, you're not going to be looking at two different things. If you look at what the circumstances tell you or what unsaved people tell you or what certain philosophies tell you, you're going to be double-minded. It's inescapable. You have to learn to settle in your heart what you're going to pay attention to. I, I know early on in my own life, I was confused. I had all kinds of questions. And the devil kind of came at me with this idea that if you really did come to know Christ and if God really is real, All of your questions should be settled. You shouldn't have any doubts. You shouldn't have any questions. Listen to me. Every one of us has to face doubt. We have to decide what we're going to do with it. And if you turn and look back at that death idea, and that's what doubt is. It's all about contradiction of the Word of God. When you turn to look backwards at that, you doom yourself. And that's why Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 
17 and verse 32, he said, remember Lot's wife. Now, Lot's wife, for those of you who hadn't brushed up on your Bible story here in the book of Genesis, uh, was living in the city of Sodom with her husband. Wicked, wicked city. Uh, They had a couple of daughters uh, that were not yet married. And uh, the angel of God came to them, actually two angels came to them, and told them, get out of the city, it's going to be destroyed. Abraham had prayed for Lot to be spared. And so the angel was sent by God at the behest of Abraham. And I don't know that Abraham knew every detail, but he interceded enough for God to honor him by sending these angels to deliver Lot. And so they convinced Lot he needed to leave. Lot, his wife, his daughters left. The judgment began to fall on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It must have been a terrible sight. It must have been very noisy. And there would have been tremendous visible effect. And I'm sure a big smoke plume. But they were told by the angels, don't ever look back. Now this is done. The Bible says all of these things in the Old Testament were done to provide very graphic, concrete lessons for us who are in the New Testament. Lot's wife couldn't stand it. She had to turn and look back. And when she did, she became a pillar of salt. Now, I believe that literally, but I'll I'll say this. The reason it happened is because she was still attached to the wickedness and what was happening back in the city. You can't halt between two opinions. That's what Joshua told the men of Israel. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. How long will you halt between two opinions, Elijah also said. And so he challenged the men of Israel to quit looking one way and then the next. One day they were Baal worshipers and then they started thinking about God and saw maybe some evidence of what God had done. And so they were constantly going back and forth. And when you go back and forth in your mind, It will be as though you're not trusting God at all. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean God's word is not true. Doesn't mean God's power is weak. But for God's power to work, it cannot be short-circuited by doubt. You have to watch what you look at. And so make that determination. I'm going to settle it in my heart. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on what God has said, that's what I'm going to do. You know, I've told this story a zillion times, and as I'm recording this, I'm recording it on the 52nd anniversary of when I came to Christ back in 1970. And uh, But shortly after that, I had moments where I did not feel saved. I didn't feel like God was with me. I would go to church and feel the worship and, and hear people praising God. And there was a corporate joy that fell over me. And I, I was a believer then. I believed that God heard me. And, and, but when I would go home and a few hours would lapse, I would have doubts about my faith. And so I told my uncle, who was a pastor, I, I hope I'm saved. He said, no. He said, did you ask Christ into your heart? Did you say, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And my answer was yes. He said, you're saved. He said, Romans 10, 9 says that if you shall confess Christ, you shall confess Jesus is Lord and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Did you do that? Yeah. He said, then if it didn't take... 
if you're not saved, then God lied. Well, that was a pretty harsh statement to me. And I thought, God can't lie. He said, that's my point. He said, you are trusting your own inclinations and feelings. And by the way, when you have lived in the world and apart from the instruction of the Word of God for a good long time, what happens is your feelings will resist your coming into the kingdom. You'll have to retrain your feelings. You'll have to reshape them. And the sooner you let your feelings know, I am going to follow what God's Word says, then it's amazing how they follow. I started saying, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I am born again. It, it totally changed me. My doubts went away. They went away because I quit being a double looker. A double looker is a double-minded person. Well, that's all the time I have for today, but we'll be back here tomorrow to talk more about how you can take charge of the doubts in your mind. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.